Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I've spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Stephen Toller, you are the founder and CEO of Audira Labs, found on the web at audiralabs.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Catherine, thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much. And so, Stephen, at a very high level, can you talk about what Audira Labs offers? I'd be happy to. Um, we are in the business of growing leaders. Uh, and um, we we come to leadership development in kind of a unique way, Catherine. We love to use music as a, as a lens uh, that we can all become better leaders. Um, and so we, we like to say that we enable leaders, teams, and organizations to amplify their leadership. And we do that in a couple ways. We do one-on-one executive coaching, and we do team development workshops with a bit of a twist. Uh, we love to bring music in in a fun and creative way for, for leaders and teams to learn how to become stronger leaders. And, and we literally offer the opportunity for leaders to, you know, learn, practice and apply, uh, leadership concepts using musical concepts and instruments. So it's a blast. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you about that. Um, because I have my own intimidating experience going into one of these workshops, not yours, but just one. And, um, before I get to that, I wanted to ask you, um, you, it seems to be safe to say that communication is, is vital for any business and that's, one of your specialties is communication, and, and you write about it and you talk about it, but could you talk about it a little bit right now about how communication is really vital in business today and how you're able to relay that back to your clients? Absolutely. I'm going to start with a quote. There's a there's a famous quote, and I forget the author, but he says, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions in a conversation is that actual communication has occurred. Uh, and what the author is getting at is that a lot of people talk at each other, but they're not really communicating. Yeah. And what we found at Audira um, is that the root of a lot of those challenges in communication, Catherine, um, start with a lack of listening. And so as an aside to our own business, Audira in Latin means to listen. And so what we believe is one of the most foundational leadership principles we can all continue to get at 
to enable greater communication and, and business outcomes is to learn how to truly actively listen. And so, um, and, and one of the ways we do that on gear is obviously leveraging a lot of the tools and techniques, the music we learn through ear training, but, but it all starts with listening in our mind. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of gold in that. So thank you for sharing. And, so, you know, when I was doing a little bit of research on you, I saw that you're doing these workshops that are, um, to take some of your words, harnessing the power of music to inspire collaboration, cultivate accountability, and align individual performance with organizational purpose. And so it's not just your theory on this, but there's research that backs this up. And I shared earlier that I went into one of these workshops, and this was when I was in Nashville for a work trip. And we walked in, and they had musicians and guitars and instruments. And here I am, this banker, corporate banker. I'm like, oh, no, I think I'm in the wrong room. And they said, no, this is the session you're supposed to be in. I thought, oh, this is going to be painful. I can't sing. I don't know anything about music. This is, I'll listen to it, but I don't know anything about it. Um, and so it was scary. But by the end of it, it was the most incredible, unique experience that I've ever had as far as like these breakout sessions and learning opportunities. So can you talk about this? Because I don't think a lot of people are familiar with incorporating music and listening skills and communication. I just think it's fascinating. And if you could talk about it, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, I'm so curious to, to learn more maybe later about the experience that you had, because we're yeah. always trying to learn what, what participants get. Um, what what we believe music can do, and by the way, that uh, we, we start with everybody is creative. I think we, we many of us have a narrative in our heads that we're not creative, we're not musical, we can't be musical, right? So so we start with the idea that whether we allow ourselves to believe it or not, we're all creative in some way. Um, we also believe that music uh, truly, and the, and the data shows this, Catherine, that music is a universal language. You can be on the continent of Africa, Australia, China, U.S., and the styles are different, but music is a common way that humans can connect and have for thousands of years. So it's a universal language. It unlocks what we might call the, the right part of our brain, uh, the intuitive part of our brain that those of us in corporate leadership roles sometimes don't get enough opportunity to leverage. And why does that matter? Well, it helps us become better communicators. It helps us uh, become more effective at collaborating. It allows us to be more creative for innovation and drive business results. So we found there's a lot of power in, in, in using music as a lens. We've also found that there's a lot of direct parallels between the concepts that we study in music to actual business. So one of the first things that, you know, uh, you might encounter in a team environment or business is people kind of rowing in different directions. And we call that, you know, lack of alignment. Well, well, one of the concepts in music, of course, is we can talk about things of, uh, you know, rhythm and tempo and that uh, identifying ways that we can kind of lock into that groove together. Right. Um, mm -hmm. we also talk about, you know, how teams and organizations can become more effective at communicating, as you said, and collaborating. And so one of the techniques in, in music that is, is very foundational is this idea of ear training and active listening. Um, we can then build on that through literally the idea of music of harmony and harmonization, right? Where we're building on what other people think through yes anding. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, the kind of accountability and empowerment. And there's this idea of music of, you know, kind of uh, playing your part and allowing others to play theirs and being very clear about kind of roles and responsibility in the ensemble, right? So there's a lot of parallels that we think. Um, and what, what shows up for participants is they start very much, as you may have, from, oh, I'm not creative, I can't, 
to, oh my gosh, this was transformative. What's possible? Mm-hmm. Right. And again, these are non-musicians, right? So I, I, we love kind of seeing that transformation, that awakening for people. Yeah, it, it sounds like what I always call small wins. And so you let them kind of dabble in an area that they haven't played in before, they're not familiar with, and you allow them to, to have that small win and success. And then it allows them to kind of build the confidence to be able to maybe, gosh, take it to innovation or, or, or wherever it needs to go next. So I think that is an incredible opportunity. And, and I think active listening, that really hit home for me. Do you mind just kind of explaining what active listening is, what, what your perception is on that? I'd love to. Uh, let me, let me back into that by saying, I think all of us struggle today in today's society with listening now more than ever. And the reason for that I've found is that we are so overwhelmed by external stimuli, largely, at least in our culture of, uh, digital media, texts, emails, phone calls, video chats. Like we've got something like nine channels of digital communication hitting us, bombarding us at any second. So naturally we're going to be distracted. That's, that's above and beyond kind of our normal things that we have going on in our lives, right? So we've become, I think, even more uh, distracted and overwhelmed when we're trying to communicate and connect with one another. So that presents an opportunity, and that gets in our way. That gets in our way of actually connecting with others, I think, having positive outcomes with our business. So we believe that becoming stronger at deeper listening is more important than ever. Right. Um, and so we, we, we have a methodology that we built on from a few different organizations that we call kind of the three modes of active listening. Uh, mode one is where most of us sit, where we are very much stuck in our own heads. We are thinking about, you know, we're, we're thinking about our world, what's going on from us, the meeting we just had, the meeting we're going to have, our laundry list, which is to say we're not thinking about those around us. And we're not aware of the space that we're in, the environment, the audience, what have you. Um, so our opportunities to expand out of level one, get to mode two, where we start to get out of our own head, um, if you will, and start to, to truly be aware of those that we're talking to in our environment. One of the traps, though, Catherine, at that level that we all fall into is what we call listening with the intent to respond. So we'll be nodding our head. We'll be saying, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, but we're not really with the other person. We're just cueing, ready to say, oh, yeah, let me tell you about what I think. (laughs) The classic, yeah, but. Um, So so we're starting to get into listening there, but we're not really there. So level three or mode three is really where we all want to aspire to, right? Um, And I'm not saying we're all so good at this. I'm still aspiring, but this is where we're fully... Uh, aware of the other people around. We're truly curious. We're not listening with the intent to respond. We have an open mind. Uh, we have a, what the Buddhists call kind of a, a learner's mindset or beginner's mind. Uh, we're not trying to prove to the other person how smart we are. We're not trying to convince them to see our way. We're just truly open. We're also aware of what's around us. Uh, that could be that could be other people in the room. That could be the mood, the vibe, the intuition, right? I mean, that could be anything. But we're we're we've got kind of a three hundred and sixty degree or full spectrum listening. Why is this so important? Because most of us are oblivious most of the time of all of this, and so we miss things. We miss what other people are trying to convey. We miss what's happening around us. We miss, uh, and very practically in a corporate environment, we miss what the customer is really trying to tell us. We miss what our employees are trying to tell us or what they need, right? Uh, we, we may not even be paying attention to what we need, right? 
So anyway, a lot of that lack of listening gets in our way, and we believe there's real power in kind of getting deeper in that. Okay, so I, I I try to get to level three, mode three. I know I'm stuck in one. I tried not to interrupt you. I'm mode two here as my brain was like, I got to slow down. Are there one or two things that folks can, can begin to kind of just pick up to try to get to mode three where we're aware of everything, we're not trying to interrupt, and, and we're present in the moment? I love the question. Um, yes, and, and much like a musician – I would say I would embrace, I would invite all of us to take this idea of, um, first of all, give yourself a break. We're all in this crazy world right now, overwhelmed by digital media. So it's natural that our brain's going to be overwhelmed and distracted. So give, so be self-compassionate. That's number one. Number two is practicing what we call noticing. What do I mean by that? I mean, notice where you're, I, I'll use the metaphor of a microphone, uh, step, uh Catherine. Where metaphorically, where is your microphone pointed? Is it is it pointed at yourself? So you're thinking about your own stuff. Is it sort of pointed at the other person, but you're really thinking about what you're going to say, or is it really kind of like an omnidirectional microphone where you're pointed? You're really listening. Don't be judgmental if it's if you're still stuck in your head. That's normal. Then, so so number one, notice where the microphone is. Number two is be intentional about where you want it pointed. Do you, do, you, do you care about what the other person's saying? Do you care what's happening in your environment? Maybe you don't. But should you want to actually listen, then gently kind of nudge the microphone first towards the other person or the people around you without without kind of any narratives about what you want to convince them of, and then gently kind of open the field to, to that. And keep practicing moving that microphone back because you'll get distracted back. Your, your, your thoughts will take you back into your own internal thing. So just gently keep coming back. And as you practice that, it's going to become like a, a musical instrument. You're going to get a little bit stronger every week. This reminds me of meditation and just trying to practice meditation. And, you know, I try, and I'm not the best at this, but I've been dabbling in it for, I don't know, a little over a year or so. And when you meditate, you're, you're supposed to, you know, clear your mind. And here I am catching myself thinking of my to-do list and all this stuff. And so, first of all, self compassion you know just give myself a break is what this reminds me of and then noticing and being able to get back and become present um it sounds simple but it's really it's hard in the beginning when you've never done it before so i think those i think the self-compassion and the practicing the noticing and the sharing of the microphone are are wonderful um you know examples of how you can begin to hit that that mode three for the act of listening so thank you for breaking it down Absolutely. And I'll give you a classic example that one of my coaches once gave me, and I think we, we can all relate. Um, imagine you're in a, in a meeting, a, you know, meeting with your, your peers. And let's say your boss comes in with the agenda for the meeting. Um, the classic trap is that, that that person walks in with their agenda and just, and, and maybe somebody's had a horrible time that morning and they're in tears. The trap is that they just, the, the leader comes in with the agenda and just starts talking. They're focused on, on kind of what's there and they're unaware of what's happening around them. Right. So, so, so the, 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 the leader that's listening at level three notices what's happening in the room, so to speak, throws out the agenda and says, you know, let's address what's present. Right. Yeah. 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 That's where, you know, significant items can take place is when you can actually be present and be able to see that and to be able to reset what the intention is for the meeting because who knows what that could have snowballed into it if, if it wasn't addressed. So I think that's, that's important for leadership. And, you know, we're, 
we're talking about leadership and I saw that you wrote a paper on the value of leadership and you had some incredible, you know, stats that go along with it. And one of them stuck out. And, and so some of the stats were um, engaged companies grow profits as much as three times faster than the competition. When you, when you've got this value of leadership in place, millennial turnover costs, um, companies over $30 billion annually. Um, and then executives estimate an ROI of over 5.7x their initial investment. And, you know, the one that sticks out to me right now is millennials turnover cost, um, cost the company over $30 billion annually. Can you talk about that? Because, you know, I hear, I work with organizations and millennials are in the workforce and they're adapting, but I think the managers are having to adapt and they, they just sometimes chalk it up to being, well, they're a millennial. I'm like, that's just not acceptable. We can't just say that. So how can we keep the engagement and um, keep the engagement and reduce the turnover costs? Because I really think they're out doing incredibly talented things, and we need to keep that talent in the organization. So what are what are your thoughts around that, and, and do you mind just kind of expanding on that? Absolutely. Thanks Thanks for bringing this up. I think it's a, it's more topical than ever. And, and let me start with, I think, uh, a topic that many of us are seeing in the news you know, as a result of the the outcome of the pandemic, there's been this massive impact on, uh, co- quite frankly, the, the the workforce, at least in our country, that's being labeled as the Great Resignation. Mm-hmm. And I think this is uh, a huge headline that employees uh, of organizations are telling all of us, regardless of whether millennials, Gen X, Boomers. And I I think what the pandemic has done, Catherine, is helped all of us recognize, really step back and say, what's meaningful to me in my life? Um, how do I want to be spending the very limited amount of time I have on this planet? And if I am with an organization whose culture doesn't align with my values or I'm working with people that um, I don't connect with, you know, is it really worth it? Oh, by the way, I may have options now that I didn't say 18 months ago with organizations that are willing to hire me virtually even if they're halfway around the world. I don't have to come in and maybe work in the same way that I used to. So this has created a huge dynamic shift. Why does this matter to to organizations from a business perspective? Well, bottom line is they now, I believe, have a a challenge, if you will, an opportunity to worry about attracting, developing, and retaining employees now more than ever. So I think coming back to the theme of listening, what organizations can do, whether it's for millennial employees or, or any generation, is really listen carefully. First of all, listen to what their potential employees that they want to hire or existing employees really value. Um, the kind of values that are important to them as employees, the kind of benefits, the kind of culture, the kind of uh, work-life balance that they want. Listen to that, integrate it, um, apply that in a way that aligns to the business objectives. Um, I believe that that will not only help attract really powerful um talent, it will also help keep people there too. I think once they're in the door, organizations also have to remember that it's important to keep developing them through leadership training, development, coaching. Um, That's one of the biggest things that comes out on surveys is why people leave is um, a sense of not feeling valued or aligned, but also not feeling like they're being developed, right? And that can also include career discussions that a lot of organizations uh, don't spend enough time. So I think all of these things speak to the importance of really listening to what employees are looking for now, um, being flexible in, t- in terms of uh, designing a work-life balance that works, providing development and um, training opportunities, um, and continue to be uh, flexible with wherever these employees are. 
you know, I'm working with one company and it's, it's been pleasantly surprising, um, for them to come to the realization that they have a younger, um, talent that's out there. They, they're in their young twenties. I mean, 22 or so and been with the company for four years. So like they've been there for a while and they're growing with it. And the managers are like, they handle these objections and customer challenges exceptionally well. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, when you were that age, didn't you want to be given that opportunity mm-hmm. too? And then they, they kind of respond and kind of reflect and go, yeah, you're probably right. So, you know, we, we quickly forget that we were, you know, wanting those same challenges and opportunities and um, they're responding beautifully to what, what the market needs. And I, I think it's exciting to see that. Um, and that, that younger workforce that's coming out and, and it keeps them engaged because they're handling these challenges and, um, it grows them within, within that organization. So, um, yeah, you know, we, we may see this great resignation, like what, what we're talking about, but also I think there's a great opportunity with the millennials and what they're willing to do to, to just drive forward with what's out here. So I think those are great insights. I think to your point, I think the, the younger generations, let's say millennials have taught the rest of us, uh, and I'm raising my hand here, yeah. uh, new ways to think about our relationship with work. I think for many of us, uh, we were brought up in a culture that, uh, <laughs> you simply, you, you put in as much time as needed and kind of work, work ourselves to death, quite frankly. Uh, mm-hmm. and then after 40 years, we retire, but it's not so much about fulfillment. It's not about work-life balance. You know, work comes first. I think, I think the younger generation has really helped challenge a lot of those paradigms, particularly as a result of the great resignation. Say, look, it doesn't have to be like that. Work can be fulfilling. Um, we can have work-life balance. Um, how might that look? So, okay, you talk about work-life balance, and I think that's extremely important. So as we kind of wrap this up, um, I have seen that the businesses that are remaining sustainable and viable for the long term, they have work-life balance in place. Um, they're not getting burned out. They're able to come back refreshed. They're able to give themselves breaks without feeling um, that pressure. And I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts around that work-life balance and does it exist? And um, maybe some tips on on those that are listening. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, to this, this I'm even thinking about the, the language. I think uh, some people are saying, you know, the idea of work-life balance is a misnomer. We need to find a way because it is a digital world. How do we, it's like work-life integration. So how do we find a better way to integrate work and life? Um, from a practical perspective, what I've seen a lot of organizations do, again, in partnership with employees, because they start by listening. They say, what's most important to you, the employee? Um, and, and they've almost kind of created kind of a, a, a customized menu for their employee population. That can be everything from flexible work hours. Um, it obviously is a huge, uh, one of the biggest shifts is where people are living and where they're working, right? And very pragmatically, um, how many hours, if at all, they ever need to go in an office again. Um, it in- can include, in some cases, what's called um, work sharing, where if you're a part-time employee, you can actually share uh, roles and hours with somebody else and do trade-offs, things like that. Um, some organizations have done unlimited PTO. So, like, we're it's a blank check. You can take as much PTO as you need, and here's what we uh, would ask for you in terms of, you know, your accountabilities. We don't care when you do them. We don't care where you do them. We don't, you know, it could be two in the morning, right? Whatever works for you. And you can have unlimited PTO, right? So I think a lot of those organizations are finding really creative ways um, to, to find ways that, that work for the employee. 
So that makes me think of a lady. Um, I've got an assistant, and I always find it odd. She sends me emails at 2 in the morning, but she's a mom at home with baby. And I just need some some data stuff, you know, keyed up. And I just send it to her, and I don't really care when it gets done. I just need it by the end of the week. And she sends it to me. And then, of course, I'm like, what are you doing at 2 in the morning? She's like, the baby's up. I can't do anything. So I'll just sit there and type up your notes. And and I can still get the other stuff done during the day. And I thought, well, that's genius because I don't really care when you do it. I just wanted it by the end of the week. So it pops up at 2 in the morning, and everybody's happy. So, you know, you really got to get creative, which ties back into the music, to get the flow going and the rhythm um, to be able to just kind of get those juices going to think outside the box. So I think that's wonderful insights that, that you've shared. And, um, Stephen, you know, if somebody's interested in taking the next steps with you, do you mind to kind of share how to get in touch with you and what, what's the best next step? I'd love that. Yes. Uh, easiest place to start is audiralabs.com, our website. Uh, check us out. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Uh, email scholar at audiralabs.com. We'd love, we look forward to jamming with you. Awesome. So Stephen Kohler, you are the founder and CEO of Audira Labs. Um, found on the web at alderalabs.com. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Catherine. It was an honor. My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. You can find us more at KatherineCanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here.